Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers Nation is undergoing a tragedy right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Desmond King has been... Told he can get traded or cut. I think he was officially cut, though. I I think it's that they were exploring trades, and if they can't make a trade, he will get cut. Translation, he gone. He not <laughs> on the team anymore. I mean, he also tweeted saying, on to the next one. People are making a little bit too big of a deal out of this thing. Yeah. I think it's where, because Where are the, all the Desmond King defenders coming from? I think it's from? because of the position that he plays. Mm. And that position has looked like such a weak link for the Steelers mm. this year. That people are saying, why are you getting rid of someone from a position group that needs anything to stick against the wall to improve? Okay, but Desmond King played one snap for the Steelers mm-hmm. ever since. I think he missed the first two games while he was getting acclimated to things here. And then he got a helmet ever since, but he played one defensive snap. And what happened on that play, Jacob? Uh, I believe six points were scored. Against the Steelers' defense. Mm-hmm. So I don't want it to make it out to be like, Oh my God! What are they doing down there on the south side? Their defensive backfield stinks, and they're getting rid of a formal All Pro and Desmond King. That All Pro season was a long time ago. And was it for the it Steelers? Also, it was also in the slot. Was so it for it wasn't the Steelers? Like an outside cornerback spot. It was not for the Steelers. It was for the Chargers. Goal, Chargers, goal. <laughs> you but listen was, to uh, Schwarzenegger's slot. new audiobook? No, I didn't. <laughs> it was in the slot, not on the outside. In the slot. In the slot for the Chargers. <laughs> I love Desmond King. Um, <laughs> so he's gone now. and uh, he, My point was he's not going to be the saving grace for the secondary. No, it, it was really a nothing. It's not move. like you're going to see Desmond King go in the secondary get way worse. That's also a good point, though. But I don't think that he's your answer. The answer is Joey Porter Jr. That's the person that you play more. That's right, the person that's like your. But wait, 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 did you disagree with what I said? That he would get worse than what they've seen. No, yeah, right, right. right. The second arrow would. He probably would be the same. It would probably exactly get much worse. I don't think you could say if it got worse, it'd be oh well, you lost Desmond King. How could it? How could you point it to Desmond King leaving? Being the result of or, or resulting in the second arrow getting worse if he was only on the field for one, one play. play, and I believe he was on the field for like less than 10 or less than 20 special teams plays it's just because of the position group that he plays and the weakness that it, it that is at that group that people are scratching their heads over letting a person from that room go but again like they weren't he wasn't going to come in and play that much better than Pat Pete and Levi Wallace or Shandon Sullivan and like you said he probably wasn't going to be much worse than either of them he's just kind of more of the same and I, I just feel like the Steelers knew what they had in him, had a decent chance to see if he was going to surprise, take over that nickel corner spot, jump in front of Shandon Sullivan uh, in the slot. But obviously that hadn't happened in the five games that he had played 
uh, for the Steelers, the three of which that he got a helmet for. It's just such a nothing kind of thing to me to see people kind of maybe that's this, the state of the Steelers right now where everybody is so on edge by the decisions being made down there in the south side that like they're ready to jump all over the team no matter what the transaction what moves are made. is. Yeah. And I think that the team deserves criticism if how they've been acting this week towards Dan Moore and Joey Porter or Dan Moore uh, and Broderick Jones and then Joey Porter Jr. in the corners mm-hmm. are. Are if they're acting that way about them, they deserve criticism because those two are ready to play. But for letting this guy go and you swap out and you get a, a player from a practice squad to come in a, a corner, a young guy, a too. young rookie, it's just such a nothing move to me. Like it doesn't move my needle at all. Like I, how many of you Steelers fans out there were banging the table for Desmond King until you saw him he was get gone, released mm-hmm. slash traded? No one was out there going, oh, you know what really fixes it? Put out Desmond King. That would fix everything. No. It's Joey Porter Jr. That's the guy that you're banging the table for, and that's the person that matters to get the most playing time. So, Desmond King, you know, best of luck to you. I'm sure somebody who needs corner help in this league Mm -hmm. is going to pick him up. I mean, surely the Steelers are one of those teams. Don't get us wrong. But apparently they just didn't like what they had in Desmond King or – Desmond King didn't like the way that he was being utilized, and they decided... It's probably a combination of both. And I think what's happening here when you're when you're looking at the outrage by Steelers fans is it's just they're piling on the Desmond King release onto the outrage they have over Joey Porter Jr. not playing. I think they're just piling... They're adding to the pile of complaints about this team, and they're saying... Well, why the hell would you go out and sign that guy if you're not even going to play him and they're just going to release him? What's that about? So the guy they signed is six foot two, 23-year-old Darius Rush. He was drafted by the Colts in the fifth round this year, but mm-hmm. he was released 10 days uh, before the roster deadline in training camp. And then he was signed. Picked up it. by the Chiefs, mm-hmm. but played on their practice squad for the past month. So now since uh, Darius has been signed off of a practice squad, he's got to play. He's got to get a helmet. He's got to be on the roster for at least three day, three weeks for the Steelers. Um, you don't have to give him a helmet on game day, but he's a part of your 53-man roster now. They like what they see in this kid, obviously. They had high grades for him in the draft class this year if they're going out and making this move. And it got, it does fit into the mold that they're trying to lay down when it comes to their corners. We want big strong, fast guys playing a physical kind of game on the outside. Joey Porter Jr. checks that box. Corey Trice checks that I'm glad box. glad you mentioned his name. And Darius Rush, Darius Rush, excuse me, is is a similar player like that. He's six foot two. He's big. He can be handsy with receivers. He can be tough to get off the line against. But he's also got some killer speed as well to aid in his coverage down the field. So a lot of potential probably brought in in this move. But if Rush realizes that potential, I think is still – really, really far away from us determining if that's going to be the case or not. He, he probably won't play that much this year. No, I mean, I have no idea how much he'll play. I, Tom, um, it's funny how we're spending so much time on this because we're talking about how much time will he play. I'm more concerned about how much time will Joey Porter Jr. play. And the fact that that's even a question is really frustrating because this is a guy who is right now the best cornerback on the team and sitting on the bench. Yeah, so Matt Williamson and I were talking about it last night, and, you know, he obviously thinks Joey Porter Jr. should be a starter, quote-unquote. But 
when you're playing the Rams, the Rams use 11 personnel like 94% of the time. So they got three receivers out there. They're spreading you out. You're going to be in your nickel. You're going to be in your dime package all the time. So no matter what, He's you think Joey field. Porter Jr. will be on the field? He might not be. Mm-hmm. A, you know, Pat, Pete, Levi Wallace, your name pops up on Sunday Night Football. I'm from the University of LSU right. or University of LSU. You know what I mean. Yeah, I got like, you. Swag you, as Ike Taylor used as to I say. As Ike used to say, right. But just because he's not a starter doesn't mean he's not going to we'll play like 90% of the snaps yeah. on the defense against the Rams. So this week, you know, the Steelers might be done a little bit of a favor just based on the opponent where JPJ's out there no matter what and you don't have to change the depth chart around or anything like that. It's the weeks after that when you play teams that do use 12 personnel a little bit more, 21 personnel, two tight ends, two backs, and, and not spreading you out as much when you only have two receivers on the field, when you're in your base package. Mm-hmm. what's going to be the outside corners there. We'll see it a couple times in this game, I'm sure, but you're not going to be able to really, I think, make a judgment on how much Joey Porter Jr. is playing as a starter or as a you know a sub-package player. Against the Rams. And, against yeah. the Rams, because right. they're going to always have you in your sub-package. They're going to throw the ball all over the, the... The game plan for me from the Rams is I'm attacking the secondary all mm-hmm. game long. Matt Stafford's just going to eat. Second, he's third in the league in passing yards. He's like two yards behind Kirk Cousins for second. He's gonna air, he might throw for four hundred yards in this game. At least that's what he's thinking. Yeah, they might, that's what they the might throw is. forty times. They're gonna 50 throw times. a ton against yeah. the Steelers, especially because they don't have any running backs right now. All of their running backs are hurt. Karen Williams is like uh, Williamson turned it as uh, rookie season Najee for the Rams. Like he gets every carry for them. Mm-hmm. And then you got Ronnie Rivers as the backup who gets a couple carries. They're both out mm-hmm. though, so they got nothing. They're you know, they're signing guys like Daryl Henderson off the streets to come back to L.A. Wow. Yeah. They signed Miles Gaskin off a of practice Saw squad that. to come in and play. So, like, they're throwing crap against the wall at that running back position. But the game plan for I don't them think it, I don't think it will really change for them this week, It though. should be yeah. attack that Steelers secondary um, as much as they possibly can. And I, I think you're going to see Joey Porter Jr. out there a lot because of that game plan from the Rams. And the Steelers are not a... JPJ, go take Cooper Cup and follow him wherever he lines up. They are a mm-hmm. left-right team. JPJ will line up where he is dictated to line up by Austin. And the scary part about that, Jacob, you kind of let Sean McVay choose who's going to cover Cooper Cup. Mm. And I don't like that no. at all. I'm not saying the Steelers should change their philosophy. They're not the only team in the NFL that doesn't That has follow, to play this team, right. Or that doesn't follow corner. Or corner wide receivers don't, you know, it's not a one-on-one matchup. It's left-right oriented. You take whoever lines up across from you. They're not the only team that does that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it just feels weird to me when you like give an offensive-minded head coach who has With a track great record of being a talent. great offensive-minded yeah. head coach, elite offensive talent, and tell him, uh, hey, you, you want Cup to be covered yeah. by Peterson on this play, maybe Levi, maybe you throw him on a linebacker if you can. Like, I, I get that the Steelers... You have to play that way because that's the way your defense is designed to play, and you have to step up if you line up across from Cooper Cup on Sunday. But it just it 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 turns my stomach as far as that aspect of this game. It's the yep, it's the thing that is is going to worry me all Sunday long is how they attack the Rams' passing offense and just what Cooper Cup does against anybody who tries to stick to him. And then, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Puka either, who just kind of is forgotten now because of how great Cooper because Cup is, but he's Cooper's, still Cooper's averaging back, 99 right. yards per game. Yeah, it's it's an elite passing unit. It's just, 
you weren't really ready to crown at that at the beginning of the season because, A, you weren't sure if Matt Stafford could really play. That was the big question mark for me. Was I, I just thought Stafford wasn't going to be any good. Right. Well, he did it the first couple of weeks, and you thought, okay, let's see this over the course of five or six he weeks. And then you said to yourself, well, is Puka really that real? Well, he just kept doing it every week. And then when Cooper Cup came back, it was, okay, well, can he really come back? Oh, wow, he, he definitely can come back just as good as he was before he got hurt. Let me throw this one out at you because yeah, Williamson threw it out at me last night when we were doing the advanced scout, and it stopped me in my tracks. Is Matt Stafford the best quarterback in the NFC right now? No, I think it's probably still Jalen Hurts. Mm. <clears throat> Hurts had a real bad game last week. Yeah, but that happens. I mean, you can't tell me Matt Stafford's ever had a bad game. True. Never had a bad game. It's third in passing yardage, though. I'd say second. The only other one that I brought up, too, was, statistically speaking, Kirk Cousins is right up there right. with him. But, yeah. Matt, as Williamson pointed out, I'd much rather play Kirk Cousins than Matt Stafford. Oh, Stafford any, fear, any more day. fear in your heart than I mean, Kirk. you'd rather play Kirk Cousins in a primetime game than you would Tom Brady at a 1 o'clock but game. But the point is, you? Jacob, you named Jalen Hurts, and then you're kind of like, oh, he it might be Stafford after that point. Stafford's, like, he's up there because Cousins has the stats. Dak you can't really trust, you, but Dak is— You would take Stafford over Dak right now. Yeah, but Dak game. is a solid quarterback. He makes mistakes a lot more than he does now than he used to when he first started in the league. And then there's probably Purdy's Purdy. AI. Purdy's artificial right. intelligence. <laughs> he had a bad game, too, against the Browns. Yeah, um, but a lot of people do. I'm going to be interested, just as a quick side note, I'm going to be interested to see how people watch that film of how Jim Schwartz and that defense attack— now, granted— no Debo, no Christian, no right. Trent Williams throughout that game at different points helps a lot. But I'm sure people are going to be taking a little look, extra look at that film study and say, how did this guy slow down this night? Like, you don't think the Eagles are taking a peek at Jim, their old buddy Jim Schwartz and what he he did against that Niners offense? Uh, that's what is so great about the NFL. Teams look like absolute unstoppable forces. Until one team kind of figures them out, and then everybody else just has film on it, and they mm-hmm. can try to do all these different tendencies. So I'm going to be interested to see how the Niners how progress after this. A little maybe a little nuggets that Jim Schwartz was dropping out there to help slow down that Shanahan offense. There's a new award out there now: Assistant Coach of the Year. Schwartz Jim Schwartz went up there this right year, now, yeah, for sure. Uh, that's only else? like a that's only like seven or ten years old. You know who now. else is up there? Ben Johnson, the Lions' offensive coordinator. Oh, that's like man. the next hot yeah. ticket for head coach right there. Um, I bet you Jim Schwartz gets a couple calls too, because at least he's done it before. He's been a head coach before, uh-huh. yeah. I, and they do like to recycle, right? One time, usually you get one more chance. It's right. very rare that you get the third chance. So Jim Schwartz, yeah, I'm sure he might get a another call. But if I'm him, like, he was an okay head coach. He was, he's been a great coordinator at Philadelphia, Cleveland. Right. Like, he's mm-hmm. elite at defense. Kind of reminds me of Dan Quinn in Dallas. Like, okay head coach, got the Falcons to a Super Bowl, fell short, but terrible mismanagement. Doing a clock. great job in Dallas right now. He's a great defensive yeah. coordinator, and he was a great defensive coordinator, I think, in Seattle before he got the job mm-hmm. in Atlanta. He was part of that Legion of Boom. Some people are just better coordinators than they are coaches. Sure. But I bet you he does get a couple he gets of a voicemails couple calls, at yeah. the end of the season after seeing that Browns unit. Uh, and the way that they played against those San Francisco 49ers. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. 
Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, but back to the, the Rams and Stafford being maybe you know in the top half of the NFC – um, I thought with the nameless faces they had on defense, Cooper being out at the beginning of the season, and like no one else because we didn't know who Puka Nakua was at the beginning of the season. No one, or Kyrie Williams, or Kyron Williams, exactly. So like I, we didn't know where the playmakers were going to come from on the offense until Cup came back, mm-hmm. and then we thought it was just going to be take care of Cup and you're good. And That's you're all solid, you have to worry right. about. Um, but the big thing was for me. Stafford's going to struggle. He's not going to look like the old Matt Stafford. It's going to be a little bit less on the arm strength, and that injury is going to start him down the path of maybe I should retire. And I just think it's the opposite. And now in that nuclear wasteland, like we put it on yesterday's program, of the L.A. Rams after they trade all those picks and get all those assets and win the Super Bowl, and then they trade all those assets Mm -hmm. away to try to rebuild it back up again. Stafford's kind of, you know, being Atlas holding up the, the world on his back and making this team a you lot— You and your Greek mythology names. He's making the team a lot better than they should be, in my eyes. Yeah, with, with no Stafford, I don't think yeah, like if, Cooper comes if John back— John Walford was still playing Oh, man, I don't think like, Cooper Cup comes back the same way. I don't think we're talking about Puka Nakua as a potential offensive rookie of the year. What's weird about Stafford, though, is— Is that—before we get to it, we're talking— you know, year-end stuff. Is Puka Nakua the leader right now for Offensive Rookie of the Year? Mm-mm. CJ Stroud, quarterback. Is he at least in the conversation? Oh, it's probably two, three, yeah. but your quarterback playing like CJ Stroud is, yeah. the fourth in the league in passing yards, it's like automatic that you get that award. It's the hardest position to but play But he in should sports. be in the conversation it for is, sure. But it's the hardest position to play in sports. Like, yeah. Unless Stroud goes in the tank or gets hurt, it's going to be his. Um. But Puka's amazing, and, and but back with Stafford, he's third in the league, like I mentioned, in passing yards, so he's throwing the ball all over the field. Only two quarterbacks, Tua and Kirk, are averaging more passing yards per game than Stafford, but he only has six touchdowns, and he's thrown five interceptions. So uh, you expect with somebody throwing the ball like Stafford does to have that touchdown number be up a little bit more. Not to say that six isn't terrible, but that's only a touchdown per game for someone that, you know, he throws two, three, four touchdowns a game in his sleep sometimes. So that's the only thing that I look at and I'm kind of scratching my head on is where's the lack of passing touchdowns for Stafford? But they're running the ball with Karen Williams a lot. Mm -hmm. Like He's finishing off a lot of drives. They're running the ball better now than when they did when they had Daryl Henderson Jr., when they had Cam Akers. Cam Akers, but Henderson's back. We're going to see Henderson this week. They're going to throw everybody at the wall. But Henderson and Akers were a good one-two punch. Like Cam Akers was brought in... As a rookie, you kind of be that powerhouse back, that 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 workload back, and then they realize, oh well, they actually have a kind of good thing working with both two running backs. But right now, Kyron Williams is better than either of them have ever been in their Rams careers. 
when the Rams have won their three games this year, they've run the ball like 34 times in the games. And their three losses, they've run the ball like 16 times. So like when they establish the run and they use those running that that running back Williams and some of Ronnie, they win. When they don't use the run, when they only run the ball 16 times per game, they've lost every single chance that they had. So maybe that's a little something going in the Steelers' favor in this game. They're maybe not even going to try to establish the run since they're so injured in that backfield. But I, I have a feeling that if I know those numbers, that Sean McVay probably knows those numbers as well. And he is very gifted at calling an offense and scheming up an offense and he uses a lot of those Shanahan tendencies coming from the Shanahan, you know, coaching mm-hmm. tree to help as far as creating running room for our lesser backs, for a lesser offensive line. So just because they're down to their third string running back who's a rookie and they signed a couple dudes off the street to come in and their line isn't the best line in the football, McVay's big brain still might scheme up some zone run that is going to give lanes for these running backs that a truck could drive through. And that's probably where he'd have to, I would assume that he's going to try to start attacking the Steelers defense just because of the the split between when we run the ball and how successful we are versus when we are a pass dominant team and have to um and we lose every game. Now, granted when you're winning games, you run the ball a lot more down the stretch to ice it so that can skew those numbers a little bit. But I still think that despite Stafford looking good and them having all the weapons in the passing game, um, a good running game for Stafford in that passing game to feed off of is the Rams' meal ticket. That's how they get 10 and 11 wins. That's mm-hmm. how they make the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the playoffs did you think the, they could be a playoff team this year at the beginning of the year? No. No. And that, it says a lot, too, because the NFC is so much weaker, so less deep than the AFC. So maybe we were just really underselling the potential for Stafford's return and Cooper Cup's return. No one had had Puka Nakua on their radar. But maybe we were just under underselling the value of getting those guys back fully healthy. We were just saying, well, they're not going to get him back fully healthy. Stafford's old, and yeah. with that elbow injury, we know it's not going to work out well. And, maybe he aged a couple and years. And maybe that'll take away from Cooper Cup's productivity, but obviously they, they've come back in tandem and they're staying afloat right now, three and three. And you have to keep in mind the conference they're playing in. That, and I also think, as far as like a strength of record is concerned, it's a pretty strong three and three. I mean, they've lost to the Bengals on the road, they've lost to the Eagles, and they've lost to the Niners. I mean, yeah, they're all they're all teams that are Super Bowl caliber teams like, that have gotten to the Super Bowl, or the Niners could have gotten there in the and last with, two years. And with the Bengals game, you're sitting there thinking, you know, we kind of beat ourselves there. Like, if the Rams were right. played a little oh, bit yeah. better, they that's win that a, That's a, when they easily could have stolen, given that it was in the early season for the Bengals, before Joe Burrow started clicking. It still didn't look like the, the classic No, that's Joe probably one that they're, they're, they'd be looking back, even though it's an AFC loss, right. saying that's another win we could have had. Right, but it's nothing to be too upset about. And then your wins, you beat the Colts on the road. It's a decent win on the road, but team you should beat. You beat the Cardinals at home, handedly, 26-9. to Team you should beat. And then you got the upset. You beat the Seahawks on the road in week one, 30-13. So, you know, you've beaten two teams that you're clearly better than, or that you should be better than. You've lost to three teams that I think everybody would say expected to be better than you. Mm-hmm. And then you pulled the big upset against Seattle. So, I, as far as the 3-3 three and three record goes, it's a pretty strong 3-3. Yeah, three and, three. and- you know, you talk about the playoffs. The, the Niners are going to win that division, and the Seahawks are going to make the playoffs. 
looking at uh, the NFC playoff picture, the, the wild cards right now are Dallas, Seattle, and, and the Rams. N- which of these teams behind the Rams right now scares you as a potential threat? Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans, Green Bay, Minnesota. Because the rest are terrible. Chicago, New York, Arizona, and The Rams just Arizona have more firepower than any of those teams. Right. Washington, they're going to mess it up somehow. Atlanta, you don't trust. New Orleans, you can't New Orleans, trust. I don't, like, Green Bay, I don't trust. And Minnesota, I surely don't trust. You're going to make me pick a team, though, out of that bunch? I'd pick New Orleans, probably. Just because of Derek Carr? because of Carr, yeah. yeah. But right now, they're they're in third place in their division. I know. Uh, you, didn't mention Put it, Tam- you didn't mention Tampa. Oh, because Tampa's winning the division. Tampa's, in the playoffs yeah. Right? Put it this way. Only one team from that division is going to make it, and that's going to be as the four seed. Yes, correct. And they're going to have a worse record than the five seed, but they're going to host the five seed in a For sure. game. Um, no, I, they the could way, potentially the way have the worst. They could potentially have the worst record of all the NFC playoffs. The teams. way you laid that out, I mean, the Cowboys and the Seahawks, I think, are better than the Rams are. But the yeah, teams but, behind the Rams aren't. I just would take the Rams as mm-hmm. that seventh team right now in the NFC, not just based on what they've been playing like and what they look like on the field, but just talent wise and looking at their roster. Mm-hmm. I think that the Rams are the seventh best team in the I NFL, think, NFC right now. Uh, if you want to include Tampa Bay as a solid team, you can. I won't. Okay, so maybe the Rams are sixth best then because you get the. Tampa I, Bay I was about to say, there. I think there's a solid six in that conference between San Fran, Philly, Detroit, Dallas, Seattle, and the Rams. But those first three are in a different tier than those second For, three. Well, I would say those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the lines are up because, there now. Because now I was going to say. Before this week, before the Niners lost to the Browns, I'd say you have the Niners in a league of their own, right. and then the Eagles and the Lions, and then Dallas and Seattle and L.A. Yes, that's fair. But, but now Seattle or now San Fran bit. has jumped down a little bit. Uh, Detroit's jumped up a little bit for sure. Steelers Nation too. I I hope you realize that when like you're looking at this through Rams colored glasses, like. They are seeing this game as a, a win that they should Oh, they're have. favored. Yeah. They're favored. And if you're now readjust I'm sure they're readjusting their, you know, expectations for the year out there as well, all five fans that they have in LA. <laughs> if they look at this game, they're thinking, okay, we're three and three. We cannot we we gotta be favored favorite against. Right. So they're looking at this game against the Steelers, folks, as they have to win this game for us to get into that playoff position. So you're going to get a very tough test from this Rams team. It's it's no, oh, we're 3-3 three and three and we're feeling good about it. We're throwing a parade because we're doing better than we expected. That's a Super Bowl-winning coach, a mm. Super Bowl-winning quarterback, and a Super Bowl-winning monster on the defensive side of the ball. They taste 3-3 three and three and a better start than they expected to get off of, probably if you gave them some truth serum, and they're getting the confidence now. They think the team can roll to 10-11 wins. Here's a question for you. Do you think the Rams are more representative of a over 500 team or a sub 500 team? Say it one more time. Do you think the Rams better represent plus 500 or sub 500 teams? Like, do, or or maybe rather, do you see them staying afloat? Yeah, do you I see. Do. Yeah. No, I think they'll be a 10 and 17 this okay. year. Okay. And I think they'll make the playoffs this year. And I think because Stafford coming back as healthy as he has and looking the way that he has is the main reason why I think that. If if they just had some, you know, rookie quarterback that they were trying to break in or if they tried to get like a Mike White or some journeyman to come in and just be a bridge guy, 
then I think the Rams would struggle mightily. Stafford is is keeping them afloat and makes them extremely dangerous. Yeah, I, I I'm with you. I we'll see we'll see how um how well Stafford can play down the stretch. It's we've we've been given what five games at this point, so he's doing well. But we'll we'll see if it's actually sustainable down. I think it's all hinging on Stafford. Check out Yin's Chat's regular season challenge each week. Answer Steelers trivia and make game day picks for a chance to win signed helmets, jerseys, footballs, or even a trip to the 2024 NFL Draft. Log into the Steelers mobile app now and play for a chance at this week's prize, which is a TJ Watt signed jersey and Whoa. and two tickets to the Steelers Packers game on November Whoa. 12th. Great prizes this week. Wednesday's question: If you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday. Jerome Bettis or Franco Harris, most rushing yards in a Steelers game versus the Rams. Jerome Bettis, a former Ram as well. The more you know. Thursday's question. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, Santonio Holmes or John Stallworth, longest reception in a Steelers game versus the Rams. Got some more questions later this week. We'll get to those later this week. But when we come back, we're going to keep talking Rams and Steelers talk about this surprising Rams team in L.A. and how big of a deal it'll be for the Steelers to get a win under their belt on the West Coast as underdogs. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.